Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ridge Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out online at theridgechurch.net. Also, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening today. Well, we are uh, in Hebrews, and you're thinking we're going to finish today, but we're not. Um, I thought we were, but uh, the more I studied, the more I just wanted to, I'm going to camp out in a place today, and so uh, we pushed that off another week, so I don't know if that'll be next week or the week after, but um, I just really don't want to leave Hebrews, maybe that's, maybe that's what it is, I'm having a hard time letting go. Um, so where are we? We are at the end of a, of a book or a letter, basically, that has been written to a, Jew, a group of Christians that have been formerly Jews, or they're still Jews, and now they've become, they're Hebrews, and they've become Christians. They've, they've accepted Christ. Uh, there's probably some in that church or that group that, that have been struggling to, to leave the old covenant, the old way, the sacrificial system. And, and so we've spent six months kind of just verse by verse going through uh, their struggles, their temptations, their history. Uh, the writer is taking them back into their history, to their ancestors, and, and really just building this incredible, beautiful case for, for what God is doing and showing them that God has sent the perfect high priest, the perfect sacrificial lamb, and that they don't need to have that old covenant system anymore. It was good and it was right, but now something better has come. Something perfect has come. And so now he gets to the end of the letter here, and it becomes very personal and so for the last two weeks, we've been kind of talking about how he's, he's now telling us not just that this is what God has done and this is who Jesus is, but this needs to be our response. Here's, here's now how we live this out. It is not just enough to, to know what's happened. It's not enough to, for those of you that are here this morning, which I guess you're all here this morning. I always say that. I don't know why they said that. My wife always says, don't say that. If, see, I was going to say, if you're here this morning, we may know what the gospel is. We may know who Jesus is. But if we don't respond, if we don't let that transform our heart and our mind, then we have knowledge that's no help to us. We must act upon that. And, and the Holy Spirit has to work in us to ha- have that happen. But we have a responsibility to live out the Christian life if we profess Christ. If, if we made a profession, if we say that God has come and, and caused us to be born again, then we have the outward evidence should be exhibited in our life, and that's what he's kind of saying to them. He says, it's not just enough to know. Yes, I've told you all these things, and it's glorious what God has done, and Jesus is perfect, and he is the great high priest, but what are you going to do with that? Because if you're just going to live out your life just like you've been living it, then it has no effect on you, and so that's really where we're at here at the end of the letter. And so the last two weeks, we've been talking about what that looks like, and and we've talked about many things. Last week, we we talked about seven different things. I'm just going to remind you of just three this morning, that we should choose our leaders wisely as believers. And I said, you made your first mistake, right? No, I'm just kidding, I hope. But you're going to see why that's important here in a minute. And, And today is going to be a little different. We're going we're gonna to dive into some things, and these are, these are one of these tough ones for, for pastors to preach a little bit. But the second one was is that one of the other things we learned last week is that we need to know Christian doctrine. As Christians, part of our responsibility is to know the doctrine. It, it is not enough to, to just say, well, that's what that person said. Look, I am fallible, right? You, you need to go to the Scripture, and you need to be wrestling on a regular basis with what 
what the Scripture says. And that's one of the reasons why we teach verse by verse is because we want you in the Scripture. We want you in the Scripture on Sunday morning. We want you in the Scripture during the week that when you go home, you can say, okay, this is, this is what we just studied. This is what we're going to study next week. So let's read ahead, right? Let's read ahead. We know, you know what passage is going to come next week. At least some of them, you not know where we're going to stop, but you know what's coming. You should be reading ahead and be prepared to, to be able to say, okay, is that really what Scripture says? Is, is, is Pastor Brian or Pastor Raleigh, whoever's speaking, is that correct, right? And so we need to know Christian doctrine. And then finally, we, we looked at several other things, but one of the other things I want to mention is that we must be willing to suffer for Christ. So as believers, we must be willing to suffer. And he talks a lot about this there in, in his letter, throughout this letter, that we need to be able to, to live a life and not be worried about what's going to happen to us, per se. In other words, it shouldn't keep us from living a righteous, holy life just because there's going to be a negative impact in our life. And we've talked about many examples here in our culture today where we need to be able to do that, um, and it may cost us something, which kind of leads me to my big idea today. Living for Christ requires dying. It's that simple. We could... We can coat that and candy coat that any way you want, but living for Christ requires dying. At some level, sometimes that dying is painful, sometimes it's not as painful, but ultimately it always requires us to let go of things. It always requires us to put ourselves step back and, and let Christ lead. It requires us to say, what is it that you want? I want to live for you, not for myself. And boy, that's a daily struggle. At least it is for me. I mean, every moment of every day, I am thinking about myself a lot of times. And, but yet, I'm constantly coming to the Scripture and saying, Lord, what is it that you want from me? And so today, we're gonna, he's going to talk about several things here, but we're, we're just going to look at three things that I think we need to involve dying. And, and we're going to camp out on one of them a lot, okay? And so just bear with me. We're going to get through the few, but towards we get to the end of the message, there's going to be one that we're going to camp out quite a bit. What's the first thing that we, I think that the the author is kind of saying that we need to die to? Now, if you remember last week, the last verse, 15, basically said that that we should have praise on our lips and we should acknowledge his name. And the point was is that we should always be willing to confess Christ, right? We should always be willing to confess him before anyone, before our neighbors, before unbelievers, before each other. We should constantly confess Christ. And I challenge many of us, and I've challenged you before, when is the last time you've used the name Jesus or Christ in your conversation with someone? We've said it all the time. You've heard many pastors say it. Everybody can talk about God at a party, at friends, at family reunions, whatever, and gatherings. Nobody cares if we talk about God. Everybody loves talking about God. As soon as you mention Jesus, the conversation gets a little bit more tricky and a little bit more heavy because God has wired that in us that we know that's the truth. And that's why there's rebellion to it, because there's a spiritual warfare that goes on there. And when Jesus is brought up, truth is in the room. And now anything that is not true is offended, right? And that's why this gospel is offensive to us, because it challenges our way of life. And and so this idea that he's talking about, that, that, that we need to be willing to do this, and it's the praise of our lips, acknowledge his name. We went to Romans 10, 9 and 10, that we confess and that we'll be saved, right? If we believe in our mouth, or believe in our heart and confess with our lips, we will be saved if we confess the name of Christ. But here again, now in verse 16, we could have put it with last week actually, but I didn't have time, is that now what is he saying? Let's, let's look at 16. Before we do that, here's the point I'm going to make. We need to 
we need to be willing to die by being sacrificially generous. We need to be willing to die by being sacrificially generous. And notice that he didn't just say generous. Sacrificially generous. And that doesn't mean every day. Or I'm just saying, see, we can be generous out of just our, our, our if we have, I just, money is the easiest one to use, but time is one of these things. If we can, we're generous with our, our finances. Well, if, if I make, you know, $300,000 a year and, and I give somebody 100 bucks, well, I'm generous, but I'm not sacrificially generous. I mean, it costs me nothing. I think King David says, someone who's going to give him some lumber to help build the temple, and he says, I don't, I don't want to take anything unless it costs me something. Because there's no, there's no glory to God there. I'm just giving out of the overflow. I'm not giving out of what really is going to cost me something. And that's why, once again, I come back to the big idea, living for Christ requires dying. Anything that is valuable requires sacrifice. And so by being sacrificially generous. Okay, let's look at verse 16 here in our, in our text this morning. It says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. For such sa-. He says, do not neglect this. It's, it's okay. Yes, we need to praise him with our lips, but now he immediately turns. Once again, this is also a microcosm of the whole picture here. He says, do not praise him with your lips because of who he is, but we need to act on that heart. We need to act on that desire, on that worship. And that worship requires us to share with others, right? Do not neglect to do good and to share with what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. He just talked about how praise of our lips is is pleasing to God, and it's a sacrificial offering of praise. But now he's tying it to tangible things. He's tying it to tangible things. We saw this back in Hebrews chapter 13 verses 1 and 2 when it says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. He's keeping with that same theme again. He's saying, look, whether it's a stranger, whether it's, and and maybe they were believers, maybe they're not, we should be sacrificially generous. We should be different. We should be salt. The the world should look at us and say, you're different. You're not like the rest of the world. Yes, that's right. And, and how do we do that? Well, if we're just giving out of what we have, there's, there's no sacrifice there. There's no, I mean, Jesus says, I think it's in the Gospels, he says, look, if you love the people who love you, everybody does that. Even the heathens do that. Only, it's only credit to you when you love someone who hates you. Love your enemy, right? And so this whole picture is one of, am I living a sacrificial way of life? Now, how can we do that? Obviously, we can do that in multiple ways. We can be good and, and, and sacrifice our time. We can spend time with someone. This is not just a financial matter here. This is time. Time is probably one of the most precious things we have to give, right? As I said a few weeks ago, um, this lady lives over in the housing part, compartments over here, and, and she's kind of pretty much in a wheelchair and, and just kind of just stuck there and can't see anybody. And, and, and giving of our time and going over there and spending a half hour, hour with her and just visiting Somebody's offered to make uh, a meal for her, and I have yet to get a hold of her and get that coordinated. But it was such a blessing when after service, someone sent me an email and said, I would love to make a meal for her and take that over to her. Now, that's not only time that they're sacrificing, but some resources and some time, right? So obviously, time is something we can do. We can also sacrifice our resources. And once again, this, this is not only financially. It's, not, it's so easy to put money towards something. And believe me, money is necessary in our world. It is absolutely necessary to do things. But sometimes it's just our resources, giving of your coats, 
That's, that's kind of money, but not really money. It's money you spent maybe years ago, but, but you're having to let go of something. You have to die to that desire to hang on. I can't tell you how many times I've looked through my closet, just my, my regular clothes closet, and there's so many shirts in there that I've not wore, and I've got, I'm going to give that to Goodwill. That's a nice shirt. You know, I may wear that someday. I just, I just can't let go of it. You know, and I justify it by saying, oh, I'm, being, I'm being frugal. I don't want to have to buy more clothes, you know. And so I'm trying to say, I just need to let go. I could take half my closet and just give it away. I'll probably never wear it anyway. But I'm struggling with that. I know you think that's ridiculous, but that's just a microcosm of really what goes on in our heart all the time with all sorts of things, right? Uh, maybe, maybe your time, go back to time again, maybe it's discipling someone. Boy, there's no better use of time to actually sit down and talk about Jesus with somebody. Walk through scripture with them for an hour a week? Is that the kind of church we are? Is that the kind of church you want to be? You're the church. Is, is that what God commands us? Absolutely, that's what God commands us. But how easy is that for you? There's fear. There's, there's well, I don't have enough time because I'm, I'm booked. Well, I don't know if I can do that well. Well, now you've got to sacrifice your pride a little bit. You've got to die to yourself because you're thinking, well, I can't do it because I don't know enough. Do you know that Jesus loves you? That he died for your sins? Well, then you can do it. It's about that simple. I don't have all the answers. I don't. I wish I did. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit. A little bit lit. All right. How, how have we done that as a church? I'm so grateful to be a part of a, a community of believers, a church that at least corporately, and I think you guys do it independently as well, but, but does this corporately. Think about the car clinic that we just did. 158 volunteers. $5,000 time and resources. We spent $5,000 fixing cars, and, and that's not counting all the food that was prepared and all the, the, you know, all the other things that were done. That's just on the car side, right? That's just on the car side. And then everybody got a $10 gas card. That was another 600 bucks. So clearly thousands of dollars. I just am so thrilled that we are that type of church. The Hope Team, the Hope Team, a, a group of men and women who in our church that is led by Don Wolf. Uh, they meet with people in need, both in, inside our church and outside our church. And they have a whole uh, way that they do that. They require interviews of someone who calls and needs assistance. And they will distribute every year maybe six to $8,000 to those in need. Now, there's, great, there's criteria. There's all sorts of criteria. This, this isn't a handout. We don't give money. We pay, we pay bills. We do certain things. Nobody gets cash. They're required to come in. Many people don't even show up. They call and they set up an appointment and they just never show up. And so obviously there's this whole point. We get a copy of the driver's license, all sorts of things. Why? Because we want to, we want to, be, want to show the love of Christ to people. Well, what if they take you? Aren't some of those people scamming you? Yep. But you know, if three scam out of ten, well, if we stop doing that because three scam, then the seven that really needed it, that really made an impact, won't get it. And so it's going to cost us something. Nothing, nothing is 100%. We, we give sacrificially. We have to be wise. God calls us to be wise. Yes, absolutely. I think of Target Dayton and all of those that you go down to Target Dayton and serve. That's a time thing. Some of you contribute financially to Target Dayton. We contribute as a church to Target Dayton. Miami Valley's Women's Center, which they've recently changed their name. It's now going to be um, Hope Rising, a pregnancy center. They've kind of changed it. I'll tell you about, more about that at some point. But we, we contribute funds there. We serve. We, we've been there. We've done all sorts of things. We gather goods. Obviously, we pull our resources for that. Operations Christmas Child. I don't know if you've ever built a, a box. You know, you can't do that for $10 anymore. 
right? It's, it's, I mean, the first year we did it, I'm like, how much money did we put in that box, right? I could have just put cash in there, right? But it was, it's just a beautiful thing that we're doing, right? But it, it's time. You have to go shopping. Now, I know some of us just get online and click the thing and say, oh, I'm just going to give the money and do it. And that's okay because maybe you just can't do that right now. But sometimes it's the best way is to go shopping. You want to en- engage that way. Our hope tree here that we'll probably be doing this year, I don't know what the hope team is doing, but I assume they'll do it, where we buy clothing and toys for children here in our community for needy families. So it's sacrificially giving of our time and our resources. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 7. It says, is it not to share? Now, so here he's, he's been talking. Um, the the um, Israel has been living in such a way, and, and they've been fasting, and, and then they've been kind of praying. But, but God is kind of saying, you're doing that all for show. And so here he's kind of chastising them in, in Isaiah here. And he says, is it not to share your bread? In other words, is this fast? Is this desire to, to deny yourself? Isn't it to do these things? And this is what he says. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring homeless, uh, homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Right? This idea that we, we need to care for people. It, it is, isn't, it, isn't that why we fast? Isn't that why we die to ourselves? Isn't it, it's not just to, to make ourselves look good is what he's really saying here to Israel. It, says it is to really do something tangible. He goes on in 58. Verse 8, then shall light your light break forth like dawn. So now he's saying, if you do this, this is what, what will, your light will shine forth. In other words, you will be different, and your healing shall bring a sp- uh, spring up speedily. Righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. He says, look, if you will just live this way, you will be different. You will be, you'll bring light into the world. So if we're going to If living for Christ requires us to die, then obviously we must be sacrificially generous. Number two, by submitting to biblical teaching and those who lead. This is where I would like one of you to preach from here on out. It seems a little, how do do I say, you know, that you should submit to the leadership here at the church? It's it's such such a hard thing, but I believe it's a biblical thing. And so we're gonna spend a lot of time here so what's, what's the verse that we're going to dive into? It says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Be of no advantage to you. Now, if we go back just a little bit here, because in 13, he's, he's talking about leadership. If you go back all the way to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, he says what? He says, remember your leaders. Now, we think that maybe he's going all the way back into the leaders of the Old Testament, maybe people that are gone and died, maybe some of the early saints that have been killed. But I also believe that he could be talking about their current leaders. It could lump all of those together. And clearly, he's setting a tone about what it means to, to follow someone. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. And we said, obviously, you should be, if you're going to follow someone, if you're going to imitate someone's life, the, the number one thing is that they need to be preaching the word of God. That is the standard, that's the, you want to say, the litmus test. It says, consider their outcome of way of life and imitate their faith. So that's why I said, consider wisely who you put in leadership or who you, what church you attend and, and what, what leadership you 
are willing to submit to, that you're putting yourself under the authority of. And so this, this is what he's kind of getting across here, right? And so this first one is obey your leaders. First part of that verse. This idea is to listen, right? It, it is not, um, it is, this is not a, a authoritative. It, I mean, it is and it isn't. It, it is not punitive all the time. It's, it's this idea that don't, don't fight them, right? And we'll get to that here in a second. But listen to them, yield, trust them. And this is why you want to make sure that the people you're putting there have a good reputation. We're going to look at that here in a minute. But this idea of I, 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 can, I can obey, I have a heart to want to obey, I want to have a heart to listen. Is your heart soft to listen, to consider? Now, if it's not biblical, absolutely you don't follow, right? This is not, a, this is not saying, well, someone says something and so we must do it. Well, shame on you if you do that. No, you, you listen and you say, is, is that biblical? Now, we're going to see how that parses out here in a minute because it gets a little complicated. And I want to show you how, that, how, I, how I view it, at least, how our elders view it. Then it says, and submit to them, right? This idea is resist no longer. The words are very similar. They're, they're kind of synonyms, but they're very similar. To give way to, to yield. It was the idea of a combatant, someone that was combative, someone that was against you, and they yield. The uncle, they yield. You know, you were a kid. Right? Uncle, right? Well, that was an authoritative way. That was under force. Not this way. It is, it is under a desire to trust and to let God lead and to know that God has established a, a, a structure and that we need to submit to that. And that is hard. But we see it everywhere. What did we see in the Gospel of John? That Jesus submits to the Father in all things. All things. All of it. I, I'm not going to dive into all these things, but we submit to Christ. There's that submission. Wives, submit to your husbands. That's a very touchy one in our culture today, right? What does that mean? And I don't want to do that. And once again, it's not, it's not punitive. It's not authoritative like this. It's this idea of willingness because God has established something. And to bring glory to God, I want to live that way. Children, submit to your parents. You guys all agree with that one, right? Nobody has a problem with that one except the kids maybe, right? But as parents, we all agree with that one. We pick and choose, don't we? We love the fact that Jesus submits to the Father. We love that we should submit to Christ, we love the fact that children submit to us. Oh, yeah, that other thing about our relationship with our spouses? No, we don't want to do that. Now, there are times we submit to one another, Scripture says. Absolutely, we should have a heart to do that, right? We do that. But there is a structure. First Peter, he says it this way in verse, chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. This idea of shepherd them, care for them, guide them, lead them. I, I, tell the, I tell the staff all the time, we are not cattle drivers. We don't have electric rods to zap you in the butt to make you move, right? We lead. We, we are out here, should be. We're not always doing that well. We should be out here, and we're shepherding. We're, we're guiding. We're leading, right? That's the whole point that, that Peter's trying to make here. Exercising oversight. Like, we, we need to be seeing what's ahead. We need to be understanding where, what pasture we're going to bring you to. Where's the next water hole? We need to be doing those things and looking ahead. Not under compulsion, not under, I have to. I just have to do this because someone's making me do this. No, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. And not for shameful gain. So I'm not, I shouldn't be doing this for money. I shouldn't be doing this so they can get rich, right? The church pays me well. I, I'm, I'm not, absolutely. But, but, you know, you could see that in the world where Christianity has gotten to be about money. It's gotten to be about a marketing scheme, almost a pyramid scheme in some places on TV. It's, it's just shameful, right? 
Not for shameful gain, gain, but eagerly. Not domineering. There it is. Not this, this oppression type of thing. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. This is how we should lead. We should be an example, right? All right. Just quickly. And we could give 20 things here, and these maybe not be seven. Seven attributes of godly leaders. Seven attributes of godly leaders. They're not going to be on your screen. Just, I'm just going to share them with you. But I think they're on your handout. Demonstrated love for Christ and his word. So a godly leader, if you're going to follow someone, they should have demonstrated a love for Christ. So how do you, well, you got to get to know them a little bit. you, you got to hear what they're saying, look at their life. Not, just, just not what they say, but look at their life and his word. They need to be humble. Not prideful, right? Huge, right? Philippians chapter 2, right? The, the thing, we need to consider others better than ourselves. You need to follow leaders that are, that are sacrificing things to make other people, to sacrifice their pride, to, to die to themselves, right? They need to be approachable, right? They need to be willing to talk, to hear, to, to receive. Look, I've had many people come to me and, and, and not agree with what I'm doing, not agree with what I've said, not agree with the approach that we've taken. I want to be approachable, absolutely. Look, if I were you, I wouldn't agree with everything that somebody's doing necessarily. And we're going to look at, once again, how that plays out. They need to have an accountability system. They need to be accountable to somebody. Some churches, they're accountable to the whole congregation. At some level, I am accountable to you. Brian's accountable to you. But specifically, we're accountable to the elder team. As a fellow elder, we're held accountable in the way we conduct our life and the way we teach and, and how we handle things. Our language. We meet on a regular basis and, and we ask them to speak into our life and hold us accountable. A godly leader needs to strive to model Christ. We've kind of talked about that. To live the life that they profess. A godly leader teaches people to submit to God, not to them, not to themselves. I should be teaching you to submit to God, not to me, not to, the, not to the ridge leadership. Now, there is a piece that that is necessary as we're teaching you to submit to God. You, when you submit to us, you're ultimately submitting to God. It's, but it's not just because of who we are. It's because what the Word of God says. And then finally, a godly leader takes their responsibility seriously. You need to see a leader. You need to have a leader in your church or your churches or institutions. That, and this is true not just in the church. This is true outside the church in many ways, right? So what's it going there? It says, for they are keeping watch over your souls. They're keeping watch over your souls. He's just saying, this is why you should do this because they're, they're trying to keep watch over your souls. Now, now, don't say that that's salvation. I can't save you. Pastor Brian can't save you. No pastor can save you. That's what God has to do. That's what God does. He changes, he transforms us, he holds us, he saves us. But he's put shepherds over the flock to watch over you for your good and for our good and for his glory. And so we say, well, what, what does that mean? And there's so many things. But once again, if we stay in the context of kind of what he's been talking about here in Hebrews 13, if you go back to verse 9, it says, Do not be led astray by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. So here he's saying, look, don't be led astray. If, I, if we're to keep watch over your souls, one of the major things is the doctrinal teaching of Scripture. And to not make sure that we're not leading you astray, that you're not walking astray, that you're hearing somebody on TV or you're reading this book and we find out about it and we say, oh, okay, we need to examine that. What, how does that apply to Scripture? Where do we see that in Scripture? Now, I don't think that's, I don't know that that's truthful, right? That's part of our job. It says there, not only the diverse and strange teachings, but it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. We need to be preaching the gospel. The gospel has to be a daily, weekly 
thing that we're always going back to the gospel, going back to the sacrificial death and resurrection of Christ and how it transforms us because that's what strengthens our heart. He goes on there, it says, as those who will give an account, right? As those who will give an account. Now, I'll speak for myself. That's petrifying to me. I'm going to have to give an account. And I know that I've not been perfect. I know that I've sinned in my heart. But yet, God has allowed me in this role, I believe has placed me in this role for now, for this season of life. I don't know for how long. He's put Brian there, I believe. I I believe those things are true. I don't believe these are things that we've sought out on our own. This is what God has been doing. And we will give an account to how we do these things, to how we lead, to the words we say, to the messages we preach, to how we love, or how we don't. And this is where I'm very thankful for God's grace. (laughs) Because I know that Ryan and I are not perfect. I know we don't know all things. James chapter three, verse one says, not many of you should become teachers. My brothers, for you know that those who teach will be judged greater and stricter. Greater strictness with greater strictness. It's, it's, that's just where we're at. That's just where we're at. I'm not, I'm not going to take you there, but uh, there's several verses, and if you would go to Ezekiel chapter 3, I would encourage you to read like 17 through 21. It's, they're really long verses, so I'm not going to read all that this morning. But, but basically, Ezekiel's, it, it says, O oh, son of God, or son of man, meaning talking Ezekiel, God is placing him on a watchtower to watch over Israel to protect them, to, to watch over. We don't know. I don't, I'm not getting into all the reasons why that is. But basically he tells Ezekiel, he says, I, tell them what I tell you to tell them. And if I tell, if, if people are going to be perishing and I tell them they're going to perish if they don't obey and you don't tell them that, then the blood is on your hands. And then he says, but if you do tell them, even if they don't obey, you will save your soul. You will honor yourself. So that means that sometimes there are things that, and obviously we are not comparing ourselves to the prophets of the Old Testament, right? God is obviously working a special work in their hearts, in their minds to use them in an incredible, glorious way. And, and I'm not saying, Pat, we don't, we, don't, we're not, we don't have an apostolic type of church. We don't believe that we have special revelation that we can share, that we're speaking for God. We speak from the Scripture. God has spoken, and we are just saying what Scripture, what God has said. So I encourage you to go there. He goes on there and says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Now, let them, let, let Brian and I and all of our leaders here at the church, it doesn't matter who you're serving under, right? There, there's all sorts of leaders. We're not just talking about pastors. We're talking about people in ministry. If, if, you're, if you're serving with, with um, uh, Nancy when we're packing boxes up there, right, and she's telling you how to pack, don't, like, give her fits about that and say, no, it shouldn't be done that way. You know, and you can give an idea, but at the end of the day, Nancy says, this is how we're doing it. I'm... I'm over this. Don't do it. Don't do it that way because what, what will happen? It will not be a joy to her, right? It will not be a joy to her. Let them do it with joy and not with groaning. You, you don't want Nancy to say, oh, I got the packing party. These people are such a pain in my butt. You know what I mean? They always want what they want and they never will listen to what I'm asking them to do, right? I mean, no ministry is good that way. No company is good that way. Nobody, that's just, and what does he go on there? It's just, for that's no advantage to you. You don't even want to live in that environment, right? Have you ever worked in a place where there's one person that causes everybody to groan, right? I mean, 
You just walk in, oh, they're here again today. Oh, God, help me, Lord. Right? It's no advantage to anybody. Eve is not an advantage to them, and they don't understand that, I don't think. But it's the sin in their heart. And that, you know, some days we are that person, just so you know, right? Some days I am that person, right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. This is Paul talking to the church here in Thessalonica. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. Now, this, this is for everyone, right? This is all the people that are laboring. This is not just the leaders, but all of them who are over you in the Lord. Now, there it is talking about those who are over you, so the leaders, in the Lord, and admonish you, right? So admonishing means I, leaders challenge what you're doing. We, we, we push in lovingly, and we say, okay, that's, that's, not, that's not a good place for you to be. That, that's not acceptable right now. I know you don't want to live that way, but here's what I need to speak into your life. And, and there's repercussions sometimes to that. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work, Right? Not because, not just because who they are, not because of their personality, but because of their work. They're working for the gospel. They're working for the glory of God. Be at peace among yourselves. Live at peace, right? Live at peace. So, I want to get real practical for a second. Can I do that? Because this is, this is going to, I've been debating how I present this. But I'm a very clear-cut, straightforward kind of guy, I think. I try to be. And so, it, Today, if you're brand new here, um, just, just understand that this is kind of the function of our church, and maybe this will be helpful to you, and, and, uh, and I hope it, hope it is. Um, I've been going through some things um, with our leadership and with people. If you've talked to me about this, you've maybe you've seen this. Um, let's see if this works. Okay. So we have a circle, and I don't know why that background is not white, but it should be. But it doesn't matter, hopefully. So what's the circle mean? The ridge elders live and kind of establish things inside the circle, right? What do we establish in our circle? Every church has a circle. Every organization has a circle. Every home has a circle. There's certain boundaries. It's a boundary, right? This, this thing here is a boundary. Do you have boundaries at your home for your children? Yes. Do you have boundaries at work? Yes. They're called like, like policies, right? We don't always like them. But, but they're there for a reason. Somebody thought they were good, and God has set boundaries. All right? Oh, wrong way. Okay. So, beliefs, salvation by grace alone, through Christ alone. Belief and practices. So we have belief and practices that are inside our circle. You go through the membership class, you understand what our beliefs are. We try and explain our beliefs. Our elders speak to our beliefs. We have practices. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But things, it's, it's not a, it's just the way we do something, right? It's the way we do something. We would like to believe that our beliefs are based in Scripture. I would say they are, to the very best of our knowledge, right? They're based in Scripture. And so what are some of those things? Salvation by Christ, by grace, by alone, through Christ alone, right? So the primary thing that we believe is that we are saved by grace, through Christ, not of works, that is a foundational belief. You are free to attend this church. We want you to attend this church. If you don't believe that, that's okay. But you cannot be a member of the church if you do not believe that, right? There's a boundary there, right? You would be out here. Doesn't mean you're not loved. Doesn't mean we don't care for you. It's just that you would not be a member, all right? We believe in the Trinity. 
We believe that God is one, there's one God and three persons, all equally God. Not going to get into all the theological things here, but that's a belief in our church, right? God has made only two genders. I'm going to put some, I put some things up here that are going to be controversial to our culture. I hope they're not controversial to you, but if they are, I trust that the Word of God will, will make that clear and help you understand why. Now, we want to do all of this in love, right? God has only made two genders. And I don't know if you're following any of that, but every day there's a new gender, right? And so, look, I love, we should love everybody. doesn't matter what, they, what gender they think there are. We should love them, but we should speak truth to them, right? We should speak truth. Homosexuality is a sin. Now, I could also say sleeping with your girlfriend or boyfriend. Absolutely, right? Sex outside of marriage, adultery, sexual sin. We could go on and on and on. I, I use this one because right now it is something that is getting a lot of attention in our culture today, right? I could add, and I didn't, that marriage is between a man and a woman. I didn't have enough room, okay? What else? Life begins at conception. Now you say, well, I don't, I don't believe that. You can still be a member of the church. We love you. I, you can even be a member. Yeah, we're not going to say, well, you don't believe that? You can't be a member, right? Now, we're going to try and persuade you from the Scripture that that's absolutely the truth. And we're going to admonish you maybe a little bit. But we're going to do it in love. But we can have different thoughts and things. The, the key is, right, right here, right? Do we all have an understanding of grace? Do we all understand that Christ is the thing that saves us, that's God's work in our heart through the work in Christ, the death and resurrection of Christ, that is the foundational thing, right? Now, could you believe that homosexuality is not a sin and be a member here? Yes. Depending. Now, this is where it gets, this is where it's tricky, right? If, you're, if you have kids at home, right? It's like, well, is that gray area? That, no, it, the, clearly it, we believe it's sin. We wouldn't, you couldn't teach. We, we couldn't put you with our kids. We couldn't put you over an adult class. You know, some, some places, well, you can't be a member. And, and maybe our elders would decide that. To be honest with you, that's not been an issue. So I'd have to really sit down and talk to the elders about that, right? Well, there it is. So, thank you, whoever did that. Um, I'm attributing it to God um, and the wisdom that he's given someone in the tech booth named Rick Phillips. Um, life begins at conception. Men and women are equal, but have different roles given by God. Men and women are different, right? But have different, or, or equal, but have different roles given by God. Now, I'm going to spend just a minute on this. Well, I'll get to the practice. Now, is there truth outside of our circle? Things that are true that we don't have in our circle, right? Truth outside the circle, yes. Is there truth that we don't understand that we don't have in our circle? Yes. Is there, good, is there good parenting skills that are outside your circle at home that you don't have inside your circle because you don't understand and you don't know how to do it? Yes. Are there things in Scripture that God would say, you know, I'm hoping you get that in your circle one of these days? Yes. I'll be the first to admit that. We, we do not have all knowledge. We are wrestling with the truth, and we are trying, and sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. I hope most of the time we're getting it right based in Scripture. But there is truth outside the circle. You may have an understanding of something that our elders right now do not have. 
But God is saying, but if you're going to be in this fellowship, you need to obey and to submit to the circle that they have laid out. Not because it's perfect. It is because that's, that's what brings me glory when you submit in love, right? Practices. Membership process. We have a thing called membership. It's a practice. Some churches say, I don't believe in membership. We don't have membership. That's okay. It's just a practice. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a theological die, the hill that we die on, but this church has a circle that includes membership. If you don't want to become a member, you don't have to. You can be here. You can worship. You can love Jesus. You can, you can take communion. You can do those things. You got to be a believer now to take communion. But, but we have membership, and we, we find value in it. And I'm not going to go into all the reasons why we, we think there's value in membership, but if you want to talk to me about that or Pastor Brian, we'll, we'll share with you, right? But it's a practice to help disciple people and move the sheep, right? Believer's baptism. That's a practice. We have believer's baptism. Now, it's also part of our belief. We believe that in believer's baptism because we believe that baptism comes after salvation, after we give our life to Christ. There are great godly men and women who believe in infant baptism. It's not in our circle because it's not based in what we believe, right? But I know some people that believe in infant baptism, that believe it's a covenantal thing, and, and I've been to conferences, the great men of God, and, and believe that, and I understand that. It's not in our circle. And you may come in and you say, well, I believe in believer's baptism. Well, that's great. If you have a child, we're not going to baptize your child here. We'll dedicate your child, but we're not going to baptize your child. Right? These are just practical things. I'm just trying to be very clear and practical with how we function. Because, look, to have a healthy family, your children or your place of work, you need to understand the circle. Because if you don't, you're always wondering. Am I, am, I, am I doing right? Am I not doing right? Am I, is, 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 no, it doesn't mean that we're perfect and everything in our circle is perfect. It just means, and you can come to us and say, I think the circle should include this. We may do that. If you can show us in Scripture and, and we're convinced by Scripture, we will do that. Baptism by immersion. <laughs> to be a member, you have to be baptized by immersion. Um, there has been three or four people, two of them are in service right now with us, sitting among your midst, um, that were baptized as believers, as adults, by sprinkling. And when they heard to be a member, which they wanted to be in part of this fellowship, they said, I, I don't think I need to do that. And we said, well, it's in our circle. And they said, well, we don't, we're over here. Is there, yep, that's okay. But if you want to be a member, you're going to be baptized by immersion. And it took one of them about four years. And finally, they said, okay, I'll yield. Not, we're not negating their baptism as a believer when they got sprinkled. We're just saying, as a practice, this is what we do. We're not, just because we, we can't bend every place that, then we'd have no circle. We'd be an amoeba that we would just, you know, just take in everything. Oh, that's good. And churches do that today, don't they? They just say, oh, no, that's good. We, we love you, and we love, yeah, you don't believe this, but that's okay. Jesus loves you. He loves everybody. So just come on in, right? We have a circle. Only men serve as pastors and elders. Now, we, we base that based on our belief in Scripture, right? Now, practically, and we're going to get into this more after the first of the year. We're going to go through the, the uh, Pauline epistles of, of uh, um, 
pastor epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and, and there's going to be some challenging texts in there for everybody, right? But we're going to talk about some of those things because we're going to help define our circle, right? So you may notice that Troy read this morning. I've had this discussion with lots of people in our church. Only men that are members are reading Scripture before the message. And you're saying, well, is that a belief? I can't take you to Scripture in verse and say, only men get to read before the Scripture read. That's not there. It is a practice that we do it that way for various reasons. We think it is, can be supported by Scripture. We may get to heaven, and God's going to say, you know what? You got that one wrong. I'm just trying to be candid. But I think there's good reasons. Will we always do it that way? I don't know. But right now, that's where we're at. And we have reasons for why we do that and why we believe that. It's in our circle. Right? Now, we could talk about everywhere that line comes down because it, that's where all the weeds are, right? Where it comes down. Well, what about here? What about this one? What about this situation? And look, do we have all those places right probably right now? No, probably not. But we're working at it. We don't pass the plate. That's a practice. Is there anything wrong with the church down the street that's passing the plate? Nope. It's glorifying to God. Giving is a glorifying God. It, it, it's a worship act of worship. We just don't do it here. We never have in 24 years, right? Just that's, that's our choice. It's practice. Communion is not weekly. Some of you grew up in a church every Sunday you took communion. Nothing wrong with that. Some of you, I grew up once a month. Last day or first week of the month. Some people have go to church, and I don't agree with this one, but you can get it on the way out. It's your little you know, creamer cup with your little wafer in the top, and as you leave, just pick up communion as you go. Okay, I don't, I don't see that as healthy, right? But, but it's not in our circle. If it's in the church down the street circle, then that's up to them. They will answer to God for how they've led, right? Brian and I and the elders are answering to God, and so we create the circle because we are responsible for what happens. And I will be judged based on what we've allowed in that circle and how what practices we've implemented. And so that's the, just the reality of how this is. Are there other godly practices that are not in the circle? Yes. Yes. It's just not in our circle. Other churches have a different practice. So what's the point? Because I've got to wrap this up. Because I could speak another hour on this. If, if you want to be a part of this fellowship, membership, just attend here, whatever, because we love you if you're just attending. We love you. There's different reasons if you're a member. There's different, you can't teach, you can't do certain things, you can't vote, there's things. But we love you. Some people have been here 20 years and they're not members. I love you. It's all good. I'm going to come see you in the hospital. I'm not going to say, no, you're not a member. I ain't coming, sorry. Right? No, we love you. But here's the thing, if you want to be part of this fellowship, you got to submit to being in the, in the circle. Now, does it mean you have to believe everything that's in the circle? It means that you need to submit. You can't be divisive and be in the circle. Because what I would tell you is then go find another circle that fits you. You may say, well, I think women, I'm just going to go to the hot issue, right? Women should be pastors. Now, that's a theological view, and you may find a circle. There's plenty of circles out there that allow that. It's not going to be in our circle. You may say, well, I believe the practice is that women ought to be able to read Scripture. Okay, that's not necessarily 
a biblical belief, but it's a practice, and it may be such an issue for you that you need to go find a circle that fits you. Because at this point, we're, we have no plans to change that practice. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be dogmatic. I'm not trying to, I'm just saying, there's reasons why we do what we do. We're not perfect, but we're, we're doing it for reasons. We have a purpose. We, have, we, we base things in what we think Scripture is revealing to us as elders and, and how we lead this flock. It doesn't make it right or wrong necessarily what the church is doing down the street. Could be. That's between God and Scripture and them. And, but this is, this is our circle, and this is what we're responsible for. There have been people that have left the church that are my dear friends because, because of a theological difference. I think they love Jesus as much as I do, maybe more. They, they, they're serving in another church. God is blessing that church with these folks, I'm sure. There's been multiple people. I'm sure there's been people that left for practices, different practices. There's been people that have left because you've not been nice to them. That's all right, so. I just have to share the responsibility here a little bit. So feel the weight. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say you need to carry all that weight. You need to carry some of it. You need to carry some of it. And so let's go to the next one, because we've got a couple more things we're going to close up here. Next, next slide. By praying for others, that's the other thing that you need to sacrifice. You need to sacrifice your time to pray for others. Specifically, he's really referencing the leaders, but I would tell everyone, because Brian and I and the elders need your prayers. Because every day, the weight of that circle is on us. And we understand that we will stand before God someday and give an account of where we do that line. I'm willing to talk to you about that line in love. I'm willing to, but as long as you're willing to share, and I'm going to say, well, here's where we're at. Show me scripture, and we'll debate. At the end of the day, though, if I say that, I'm not, we're not moving the line. The elders decide we're not moving the line. You have to decide, can you submit to that, or do you need to go someplace else? Or... Yeah, I don't agree with it, but I can submit. I love, this, I love this congregation. It's not a requirement. Absolutely. There's, you know, there are requirements for membership. There are requirements inside of membership. Who can teach? There are gates that we go through. It's just part of a process. It's just part of a structure. Is the church an organism? First and foremost, yes, we are the living disciples, members of God's church. Is it also an organization with some structure? Yes. You don't want to be real heavy on that side, but you have to have some. You have to have some. So by praying for your brother, for praying for others. So how does he close out here? Chapter 13, verse 18 and 19. Pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I just want to stop right there. I think I can speak for the elders and say, I, we have a clear conscience. doesn't mean we're right about everything. But what we understand to be true we believe it. We, we're not acting in a way that is not congruent with the way we see Scripture. Now, we may not see it right all the time, but we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring. We have a desire to act honorably in all things. I, I would say that absolutely among the elders, and I would say that about our leaders here at the church, not just in the eldership, both men and women. And he says, I urge you more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. Now he makes it personal. Whoever the writer is, he wants to come back to them. And so he's just saying, pray for me that I'll be able to be restored back to you. I long to see you. And so he's making that very personal. Paul kind of says it this way about conscience. And this is the last scripture we'll read for this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. 
For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in, a, in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so towards you. That is my prayer today, is that your elders and your leaders, both men and women that may lead in this church, do it with, with godly wisdom, with simplicity of the gospel, with sincerity that we behave in such a way that our conscience is clear, and ultimately by the grace that goes before us in Christ, by the grace of God. So what's the takeaway this morning? Dying to self allows us to truly live for Christ. Dying to self allows us to truly live for Christ. Whether it's dying to your time, to your finances, to your resources, to your pride, to submitting somewhere because all those things kind of fall into that sometimes. Look, I, I don't always agree with what the elders decide. I'm not king. Only one king, right? And so sometimes we don't do the thing that I want to do. Now, I will tell you, I'll give them a run for their money talking about it, but at the end of the day, they might do it. We have a board of directors that has both men and women. I may think the budget should be a million dollars, and they're saying, no, 600, Raleigh. Sorry, right? I don't get to be king, right? Brian doesn't get to be king. They make a decision. We yield. We yield. Everything is about yielding. Philippians chapter 2, consider others better than yourself, right? No selfish ambition. Consider Christ. He yielded. He came out of heaven, became a man, walked on the earth, died a death, a horrible death on a cross. But what did it do? God exalted him. It's all about submission, folks. In one way or another, I don't want you to do it begrudgingly. I want you to do it joyfully and cheerfully because that makes my job much easier as well, right? And I want to submit that way too. I want to do it cheerfully and not begrudgingly, right? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for our time together today. Father, may you be glorified in our submission, whatever it may be. First and foremost, our submission to you in Christ. But in all other things, as children submit to their parents, as we submit to one another, as fathers, we, we, we strive to understand truth and submitting to Scripture as a whole and whatever it may ch challenge us at. Help us to sacrifice our time and our resources for the kingdom, for those around us, so that you may be glorified. Help us sacrifice our time of prayer. Help us to be in, intent and in praying for, for those around us and those in leadership and, and, and just those around us, that our children, our spouses, our neighbors, our, our coworkers, our, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that are going through hardships. And Father, we pray that you give wisdom and discernment and admonishment to the leaders of this church as we strive to set that circle in a way that glorifies you. We thank you for the grace that you give, the abundant grace and mercy when we do not get it right. And Father, I just pray that we'll be of one accord here in this church and how we do that, that we will wrestle for truth, that we will have good, respectful conversations and that we are not afraid to, we're approachable, we want to have these talk conversations, but Lord, that, that we will at the end of the day be of one accord, be of one mind. And for those that, for whatever reason, can't seem to fit in this circle, Father, we pray that you will find them a godly circle 
a godly fellowship of believers that they can plug into. Father, we trust you in all these things. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you have questions about this message or about the Ridge Church, you can contact us at info at theridgechurch.net. Have a blessed day.